Good morning, everybody. It's This Week in AR with Charlie Fink and Ted Chilowitz. It's May 21st. Let's get to the news, Ted. Woo, we finally got a great news week. And um, we had a guest dropout, so we have a little extra time to break it down. But, I mean, come on, snap specs. Yeah, this is a good week for us to just jaw it out a little bit without a guest because there's uh, this was kind of an interesting summer news week, right? Yeah. Um, the stuff we've known um, for a while that has been going on in the background with Snap and their aspirations, they finally dropped. It's interesting that I would use the, the, the terminology drop because it did feel like a bit of an NFT drop. Mm -hmm. They just dropped it uh, on their website um, uh, with a little bit of fanfare and said... Well, they, they announced it as a, as a, oh, and there's this and they're... Partners Conference, mm -hmm. uh, which is, you know, where they try to bring in, you know, all the artists and lens studio people. Right. And uh, it's sort of like Google I.O., which also happened this week and uh, also uh, contains some really interesting uh, XR announcements, too. But let's let's talk some more about Snap, because this morning, kind of to put some uh, jam on their toast, they announced they bought Wave Optics. Right. Uh, which is doing some of the technology for those glasses. Mm -hmm. Although apparently uh, after spending $500 million, they're not going to change wave optics business. Uh, they serve a number of different uh, smart glasses makers. And uh, I guess they like their business the way it is. And uh, so I think it, it also points to the fact that Snap is in no crazy rush here. Right. Uh, they're feeling the glasses. They're apparently already in the hands of developers. They showed some uh, really fun videos of, of developers, you know, putting sparkles on buildings and, and it does all sorts of great computer vision stuff. Uh, so it seems like a pretty robust, you know, it's their first real AR glasses, right? Because Snap Specs before would, would take videos you could only see on um, Snapchat. So it's kind right. of very limited. I mean, okay, it was a wearable, but AR was a stretch. Uh, but now these these things are powerful and exclusively targeted to consumers. Yeah, uh, you mentioned a bunch of interesting things there, right? First, the wave optics piece, which I think is actually very smart to let them keep working across the whole ecosystem, because what they want to see is what that company can actually ultimately deliver to them. And the best way to do that is to let them work across everybody that's trying to build these devices to see what comes out of it. And they have the ownership stake. So that's actually really smart strategically, I think. Um, and then on the device itself, um, it's, I think, actually pretty intelligent to sort of use this as a bit of a public beta and a public show off, not try and sell these early stage devices because they have some significant limitations. They're not really designed to be a consumer thing yet. They're kind of a pre-consumer test on what will actually key off the market and is the market at large ready to put these digital overlays into the real world as you're walking, right? This is fundamentally a very different device than a HoloLens, which is a large sort of visor thing. These are very lightweight. They're very glasses-like and their field of view is pretty small compared to some of the other devices on the market. And the battery power is almost insignificant, which I think was- really couldn't sell it to somebody for those reasons. Uh, <clears throat> the other thing uh, is they've really emphasized its connection to Lens Studio, mm -hmm. which would really let anybody um, make a uh, outdoor, I guess you could say, uh, snap to that anybody can instantly put in their glasses and that was, that sort of instant feedback was one of the things the developers uh, were talking about that they liked so much that they found so uh, empowering. 
So, you know, they're packing it with the right things to make content great, which is really what it would have to be for a specialty product like that to succeed. Right. The closest analog that I could say for people that have been tracking the space closely are the North glasses, like the use case of the North glasses, the design, what they did, the tiny field of view and the appearance of small objects that float around you and, and can have some limited tracking. Um, this is part and parcel to both you and I's um, very cohesive thesis that this stuff is going to take way longer than people think to find full maturity. And we just need to be patient about the development curves, the engineering curves, um, and know that these things take many, many years to find consumer um, sweet spots. Snap seems to be avoiding the trap that magically put itself into where they had a developer version that they wanted to sell to everybody. Right. And yeah, and I think it's smart. Stuff. Don't don't sell it People until it's ready. People are not going to buy a device they have to make the content for. Right. Don't sell it until it's ready. Exactly. So that's why you know Apple is waiting, and you know my thesis there is they're waiting not only for a breakthrough solution for vision correction, uh, but but also a reasonable approach to telepresence. Uh, which we are seeing in other forms, right? Telepresence yeah, which, is so yeah. important. And that's why Google has sort of said in its AR approach, and this came out, by the way, this announcement of Google Starline came out at Google I.O. this week. It's kind of like Portal, you know, that sort of white box that people go into and they can be broadcast as a volumetric image. Well, Google has figured out to do that over a basic cable modem as long as you have the special box or light box or whatever you call it, the star line in your house. But, uh, you know, they showed these videos of people absolutely losing their minds because mm -hmm. that, that portal thing does feel like you can, you know, just reach in there. Did they announce any pricing on the Google thing yet, Charlie? It's still super early. No, I think just like uh, Snapchat, they're sort of playing a, look, we built this. And we want to give it to you, but not right now. Yeah. So this is interesting trend, right? This is kind of becoming a, a global technology giant trend where they are doing kind of public facing testing of new developments that eventually will find a consumer home. Uh, but this area of like the, the largely what we call telepresence, the idea of it way beyond just a two-dimensional video like what we're doing now and what people around the world are doing and why Zoom in, in, in particular has become such a large valuation company. Um, there's always this desire and belief that we can evolve that into something that feels more real and looks more real with pixels that are more active that actually allow us to create this volumetric effect. I and mean, we're both connected to lots of startups that are doing volumetric capture. We're, we're missing all the nuance. It's almost... Uh, this is just an illustrated conference call, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it's just, you miss the nuance, especially when you're teaching and the chiclets get small. Right. And I mean, yeah, people speak and they're the highlighted speakers, so to speak, but it's not the same because when you're not speaking, I'm still in the room with you, communicating yeah. with you. And that, and that doesn't happen on Zoom. Totally. What, what I like about all of these things is 
this is this journey to 2030 that we're on now, right? That like by 2030, these things that are popping out once every couple of weeks that we get to talk about are really starting to shape up and inform. And again, they typically start with smaller startups that are trying to break through like, like Portal that you mentioned was doing this you know, well before Google was. Now Google put, can put their muscle onto an understanding like, oh, there's something here. We should really try and do it. And that's obviously what we think. Yeah, and in fairness to Google and Portal, I don't know that their technology is the same. I, I just think- know the output is similar. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, Portal, interesting, scrappy company that you saw at all the conferences showing off its um, its wares, and I guess it was mainly a B2B thing, right? So that the CEO would appear, you know, volumetrically present in the conference room or, or in the, you know, company meeting when they couldn't be there. Um, Speaking of Google, the other uh, announcement they made this week was AR additions to Maps, which they promised when they started to do wayfinding, right? For those of you who haven't been following our raving about Maps, uh, which is an extremely, extremely important asset, you know, in the coming spatial world. This is a digital twin of the real world, which is machine readable and searchable and depended exactly to it. Right. And so, you know, Google has been building this off of maps. You know, they've been making maps more and more spatial. Now they use computer vision so that when you get out of the subway, Google knows not just where you are, but where you're facing, which was always the problem with pedestrian directions. You didn't have the velocity of a vehicle to- uh, Tell you which way to go. To figure out where you were. So now they're kind of taking this to the next level, right? Because they're not just showing you where to make a turn. They're actually writing on the world now, Mm -hmm. right? Which to me, I think, again, I'm not sure I want that on my face uh, necessarily as a wearable application, but the idea that you could hold up your phone and be like, yeah, that's the place. You don't need to see the number. Look, remember all the years we've spent struggling is that the building? It doesn't have a number because every other building doesn't have a number. Doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, and I think when you get the when you get the right interface on your face that is contextually correct to bring up that information and then make that information disappear at the right moment, that'll be when you start to use your smartphone less. When it just makes more sense to use the interface that's up on your eyes when Google and all these other companies really start to put their muscle against like, what is the right way for people to use these devices? This is another area that I think is interesting. Well, I think, again, it's, it, there has to be an interface or a way that you can think, and then it shows you, Yeah. right? You can't be interrupted. I just need to say, which one is the right building? And looking in my calendar, mm-hmm. it, it's going to put a dot on the right building. And mm-hmm. there's going to be no other intrusion into my field of view. or And, and it's going to be sort of instant, right? You're going to think about it. And there it is. It knows you're going there because it's integrated the information from all these apps. Right. That's why, you know, it's convergence that will create the device, not a single technology or even a single company. Correct. Um, because there is no company. And Facebook is actually, you know, kudos to FRL for trying. They are actually working on every piece of the ecosystem, um, you know, from the hardware down to the minutiae of the uh, nuances of the operating system. I don't think Google is thinking that way about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think Indeed. they're exactly. And, and of course, you know, Google has a, a whole different play because it's Android versus Apple and, and 
you know, Android is so important, although interestingly generates way less money than Apple. So it's <laughs> sort of like people who buy things on their phone all buy iPhones. <laughs> yeah. That is that in and of itself is maybe an interesting episode for us to talk about where oh, yeah. market scale versus market importance, yeah. market dominance versus are you actually dominating and monetizing on all of the pieces of that ecosystem? Apple seems to be so much better than everybody else in the market. And, and of course, that has come out in the trial this week where uh, Apple versus Epic grinds on. And I've got to tell you, Ted, it gets harder and harder to follow <laughs> because they're really now they're digging into the weeds. Um, you know, this week they were going on about an essential service, right, which is a concept in antitrust, which says I own a bridge over the Mississippi River, but you just can't go over it. You have to build your own bridge, right? So antitrust law says, no, 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 no. You have to figure out a reasonable price and let everybody use the bridge. Otherwise you've created a monopoly. So, um, you know, Apple went after that concept big time because what Epic is failing to prove is that, okay, Epic has a point, right? If somebody is using it on a game console and also wants to use it on an iPhone, why are they paying Apple? because they brought with them something that they had already purchased elsewhere. And in fact, they had the console companies get a big cut of Fortnite. But, but now that they've gotten that cut and that purchase has been made, why can't I go onto the iPhone and have freedom to interact with the items that I've purchased or even purchase more without right. paying Apple? And yeah. it's, it's not a bad argument and you can see what they mean, but what they have failed to prove is that Apple is actually hurting their business by doing this. Mm -hmm. By paying Apple the way they pay everybody else, it's less than five of the sales of Fortnite. And the judge has seemed annoyed ever since that became clear. Yeah. And she's allowed Apple to pretend it's the aggrieved party. It's the injured party. It's little old Apple just trying to monetize this amazing thing called the iPhone. And they're just being assaulted by people who are greedy. <laughs> and yeah, doing a terrible job of not appearing to be greedy and just unloading on Apple with every legal thing they can think of. I think it's wearing the judge down. Um, well, and I, I think your your thesis that you came up with a couple of weeks ago on the show that it's really going to be a very split decision kind of thing. It's not going to go one way or the other. It's going to be a case where both parties end up being a little unhappy at, at the outcome. Um, and to your point about the the, the bridge thing, if you think about it, like to give people a, an understanding of like how difficult this is to, to grasp in the days of physical media, let's say you and I had a DVD and I had a Sony DVD player and you had a, a Panasonic DVD player and I put the DVD and I played it at my house. Then I came over to your house and we wanted to play it on your house. And the company that made the DVD player wanted to charge me again because it's a different brand DVD player, that would be really difficult. And I think that's where the judge is starting to get a little annoyed at this, right? It's like, you're, you're making a point that, that is difficult to, 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 be, to, be, you know, to be meaningful in the world of like media. Media needs to be transportable, right? Well, this year they had, uh, this week they had Phil Schiller up there, who's Apple's, I guess, chief evangelist or an Apple fellow, uh, and who was involved uh, with the start of the I, App Store business and the iPhone. Uh, and apparently he did a great job and Epic really tried to rattle him. And these are very good, very well-financed lawyers. And he just did a really good job of putting forth this startup vibe 
that would make it hard to think this guy was executing a vicious monopoly uh, and, and was anything resembling the man. And now they've got so very slick. I mean, it's no wonder that Apple put him out there in this role. Uh, and now they've got Tim Cook coming in and that guy is awesome. I'm sorry, I am kind of a, a groupie for certain celebrity CEOs. Uh, you know how much I love Zuck, uh, although I think his um, futile attempt to keep Apple's walled garden intact is making me question my passion for him mm. as, uh, as a genius. But now we've got Tim Cook, who is one in a billion. I mean, who else could have taken over where Steve Jobs left off? And he is relentlessly charming. Um, you know, he is just a gentleman. And I, you know, think the Epic guys, if they go after him the way they go after Schiller, I, I don't know that things will break their way. Mm. Yeah, if you watch some of the, the media that Tim Cook has participated in, you know, some of the 60 Minutes interviews and some of the other things he's done, um, he is, he, his essence is very calm, cool, and collected, right? And, you know, he's got a lot on his plate, but he's a, and he talks very candidly about all these different things that he's trying to navigate the company through. Um, but I agree, he's a very, seems to be a very genuine. Um, yeah, he's authentic person. and yeah. he's sincere. You know, and I, I actually think in a way that kind of is the right step. Steve Jobs, who always had a hucksterish, hustling, you know, I'm going to convince you, I'm going to sell you. And, and Tim Cook is not a salesman. You know, he, he, he is more of a, um, as you said, somebody who is, is centered and thoughtful yeah. and trustworthy. So I, I think Epic is, um, you know, they have some points. They, they may get some concessions here, but boy, has it been difficult. But I would say that I would say that Tim Cook has a extraordinary passion for AR in all of its forms and does get into this like evangelist sales mode when he shows those things off, brings these young developers and says, let me show you how like what the world is going to look like as we start to develop beyond this this like single plane screen. Well, um, you think that Tim, like us, so I'll brag and say we have one little thing in common with Tim Cook, which is that none of us are really going to see how this story ends. Mm -hmm. Just these things take too long. But is there any doubt in 30 years that we will be in a photonic age of wearable, invisible computing? No doubt um, to me. Yeah. So uh, last thing, just a little comical aside for everybody. Yeah. Uh, and again, I'm a little down on my friends at Unreal this week, but they are suing Unreal, yeah. the Chinese uh, maker of AR smart glasses for 5G phones for uh, name confusion. Yeah, I, I think if anything, this helps Enreal. Like it gets more exposure for Enreal, which like we know because we're so in this world, but a lot of people certainly in the West don't know what Enreal is. And every time, you know, Magic Leap sued them years ago, they got more exposure. Now Unreal suing them because of Unreal, Enreal, you know, who knows where it's gonna, gonna pan out, but I, I think Enreal's probably just laughing all the way to the bank. Well, the, the, pro the problem that Epic Games has is that um, their brand, Unreal Engine, is known to several million people around the globe as a platform uh, for creating spatial content, whether that's a 2D video game, 3D world, or an XR, AR adventure. That's a very small group of professionals. And that group of professionals is the least likely group to confuse Unreal and Unreal. Correct. So I'm not sure they're gonna get very far with this. It sure seems like they have a big legal department. Um, 
you know, I said in the, in the column today, this is a little bit like the word where, W-E-A-R, suing the word where, W-H-E-R-E. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but when I, anybody ever uses the word wear, as in wear clothing, I don't think it should be spelled W-H-E-R-E. Me neither. So, I mean, it is true that if I say unreal to somebody on the street, chances are they won't know either. And so there will be confusion over both brands. But if they know about the Unreal brand, Unreal is not confusing and they should bring me in as a professional witness because I've known about these two companies for Jesus Christ, seven or eight years now. And uh, it never occurred to me that they were the same. I mean, as I said, yeah, I guess when you point it out, but is anybody gonna be confused? And that is the metric. Yes, there's an overlap in customers, but are they going to be confused? And is one going to damage the other? And it's the answer is no. I mean, I just, you know, I, I so I, I think maybe the Apple thing is making Unreal um, lawsuit happy. Mm. Uh, so I should probably stop talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, and like I said, just and Unreal will benefit from some mainstream press touches, the fact that you're reporting oh, it yeah. in your column and others are going to pop it up. It's going to pop up on people's Google news feeds and be like, oh, in real, I think I heard about them. What do they do? You know, kind of thing. So, so a couple of other things happened this week. We're going to wrap it up, but um, let me, let me um, give a shout out to virtual clothing. Try on Z kit got snapped up by Walmart. That makes all the sense in the world. Uh, DigiLens, uh, the guys who make um, high definition, wide field of view technology for AR glasses has created their own has created their own reference design using the Qualcomm XR2 chip. So they're hoping uh, so OEMs decide they want to make their glasses. Uh, Quest's got a bunch of new features. Uh, again, I think their focus on bringing utilities from your mobile phone into VR is pure genius. It's exactly what is needed. Uh, The idea you can have a transportable avatar and that your avatar could be with you wherever you go in the metaverse uh, is a very powerful and and smart approach. So uh, kudos to them. I actually spoke to FRL uh, this week and I guess that was one of their sort of learn speakers. So I have no idea who was in there, right? Because I'm just speaking into the void uh, the way I teach all my classes. So, but it was a privilege. Uh, to try and influence the people who are making stuff there. Maybe I planted one or two ideas. Uh, TeamViewer, the company that provides See What I See and other technology for enterprises, has launched a consumer app, Life AR, uh, which is uh, you know a version of See What I See um, FaceTime technology uh, that allows you to annotate and draw and combine uh, streaming images. Uh, you know, real-time camera images. Oh, Hugo Barra, uh, the guy who used to run Oculus, is leaving to do a health tech startup. Uh, so details. Yeah, that's an interesting one to me because it just shows you the the power in that medium and 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 how much energy and what like one of the earliest, most beneficial um, parts of this 
VR consumerizing is the use cases across the healthcare sector. I'm a, on the board of a big cancer research hospital that I told you about, and um, we're you know testing and using, and like companies like uh, uh, schools like Case Western are doing it, and there's a lot that's a, it's a big part. So it's interesting that you guys moving in. It's a smart move for him, I think. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I nobody lasts as the head of Oculus more than a few years. Uh, it must be an incredible, difficult, high-pressure job. Um, you know, with a million moving pieces and lots of very smart, ambitious people jockeying around you. Um, you know, I don't doubt, in fact, I've heard from people that, you know, Facebook is one of those places where, you know, it's 24 seven, you know, you are the company. So uh, it doesn't surprise me when somebody like Hugo leaves after four years or five years, you know, that's, that's a long time in Facebook years. So that's the news this week. Sorry we have no guests, but it was great to have an extra long chat with you this morning, Ted. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, obviously these are these are good times to talk broadly about where our industry is going and what we like to pay attention to. And um, hopefully we, we give people some perspective on this stuff, which is our goal, you know, is to, to learn a little bit ourselves and watch what's happening every week and kick it out into the world. So uh, keep listening. Popcorn, <laughs> please. Thank you everybody for listening. Have a great weekend. I'll talk to you soon, Ted. Thanks, Charlie. Good talking to you.